The following is a Pro Football Network podcast, the primary voice for pro football at ProFootballNetwork.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. As the hash marks change from the college game to the pros, one thing does not change, and that is the journey for NFL players, college football players, to the big game. And to really break things down here today, look, I'm very excited, as always, to bring on our Pro Football Network NFL Draft Analyst, and that is Ian Cummings. Ian, welcome on into the show, my friend. It is great to see you. Great to talk with you, as always. And uh, before everybody asks, where's Ollie Hodgkinson? Look, Ollie is feeling under the weather today, was not able to give it a go. We had told him, like, hey, Hey, man, we're going to miss you here on the broadcast. But you know what he told us? He said, you know, I sound bad right now. I'll be back next week, but I'm going to be watching the tape. I know, Ian, you guys work close together every single day, man. Uh, how you doing? Obviously, we're going to miss Ollie today. Yeah, doing good. I know it, it was tough, man. He's been under the weather, but he's a tank, man. He was uh, at our MDS meeting last night uh, up until like 11, almost 12 o'clock midnight, his time, you know, talking about prospects. And then today, you know, he's like, guys, I can't make it. I'm like, Ali, you know, just take a chill pill, watch a movie or something. And he's like, I take that as watching tape, right? So the guy just never stops. He, like, even when he has an excuse, he's like, I'll just keep going. So Ali, we miss you, man. I'll give him a quick shout out here. He's got some profiles coming up. He's got James Cook, the Georgia running back, and Georgia punter, Jake Camarda as well. I, I told Ollie we'd mention five punters today, so that's one down. We got four to go. I don't know if we'll get to that. We got a lot of other stuff to talk about, but uh, uh, Ollie is going to be here next week. Always a pleasure to have him on here too. Well, you know, obviously for the new year, it was college football playoff weekend. We still had bowl games going on. And and really, let's talk about our playoff weekend takeaways. The matchups that we saw, Michigan versus Georgia. You had Cincinnati against Alabama. Let's go to uh, Michigan versus Georgia first. My fiance, Ian, she's a huge Michigan fan. I know you're a Michigan fan as well. Unfortunately, it didn't go in their favor against a very tough Georgia defense and offense altogether. But the focus was on Aiden Hutchinson in this game. Uh, Not the production that I think most people had anticipated for him in this game. And many people, I'm sure, are asking the question, does this impact his draft stock? Because I've already seen on social media, people say, well, that moves Aiden Hutchinson from edge rusher one to edge rusher two. And they're moving Kayvon Thibodeau up to one. Has your stance on him changed at all after this game, obviously, in the college football playoffs? Yeah, well, my stance hasn't changed, but my stance was already Kayvon is still over him at at edge one. You know, I had Hutchinson as edge two, and it doesn't change my opinion. You know, first off, I don't think he played as bad as people were saying. You know, some people look at the stat sheet, and to to be fair – to be fair, there were some bad reps. There were some reps where he got a little, he got in quicksand with his feet and then got kind of bulldozed over by the linemen. You know, th- those offensive linemen at Georgia, you look at Jamari Salyer, Justin Schaefer, they're big, they're physical. And if you give up your service area, they're going to take you down. So Hutchinson had a few of those moments where he got caught up in the misdirection and then he got caught up and neutralized. So that's just how it is. I think it was more the game plan and the scheme by Georgia to kind of minimize the impact of David Ajabo and Aiden Hutchinson. And if you're a good team, that's what you're going to do. You're, you're going to scheme to minimize the strength of the defense. And they had a lot of quick game. They got the ball to their playmakers pretty quickly. They didn't allow much time for Hutch and Ajabo to get downfield. And to their credit, you know, I thought Hutch did make one or two plays in the backfield where he was in open space, made a nice tackle. Ajabo was still showing his explosiveness downfield, rushing the passer, you know, never quite got a pressure or sack. But there were a few plays where he got upfield so fast that he spooked Stetson Bennett a little bit. So you can see those traits making an impact. 
even when they're not, you know, necessarily achieving success. And it was a relatively quiet game for them. But as an evaluator, you got to try and avoid the echo chamber and try not to be too fickle. And the same goes for the uh, the, the opposite end. Like if Hutchinson has a four sack game, I'm not going to make it my edge one just off of that, right? I'm going <laughs> to yeah. stay true to the traits. And, and those don't really change from game to game. You obviously get more information with how guys use their traits. But, you know, for me, it was just, you know, I, I tip my hat to Georgia for being able to scheme the game in a way. And also the game script they took control very early. And so they were able to keep that flexibility on offense. If they'd fallen behind, they would have been funneled into half must pass situations. And then if you're, if you know, they're passing Hutchinson and Ajabo, you can come downhill at hundred percent, you know, not having that aspect in there, you know, Georgia was able to kind of keep the defense guessing and kind of put Hutchinson and Ajabo in a bind. So I look at that and it was more of Georgia neutralizing them than them having a bad game. It's not something that's going to decrease their stock. I think both are still very terrific prospects. Well, obviously in this matchup, Georgia's defensive line, they fared much better. But who was Wiley responsible for that and the impact that it had on the Michigan offense? Yeah, and that was something I didn't really expect. You see the Michigan offense, offensive line. They won the uh, Joe Moore Award for the best offensive line. Luckily, I'm a Michigan State fan. I'm not a Michigan fan, so I didn't have too much stock personally in this game. I know my best friend did. He was he was down bad that night. But, uh, you know, looking at the uh, offensive line, again, it was a very cohesive unit. They got a few draft prospects on there. Andrew Stuber. Uh, you look at uh, Ryan Hayes, who might declare, might not. But they've got some talented guys on that line, and they got manhandled by that Georgia line. I thought Georgia kind of dominated from the stretch, which – you know, looking back, maybe should have expected it a little bit more. I, I expected Michigan's offensive line to put up more of a fight than they did. And I think it's just a credit to the talent, the sheer talent that's on that Georgia line. I mean, Jordan Davis eating up double teams in the middle. That guy can eat up space. He can get off blocks. And, you know, once he does, he's got scary athleticism for his size. He can close just like that. So a very fun nose tackle. But then beyond him, you got Trayvon Walker, super rangy, powerful, long defensive lineman, versatile, can line up anywhere and make an impact. And he made some some freaky run stops where he just stonewalled the lineman, stopped him in his tracks and made the tackle. Devontae Wyatt, another powerful, burly defensive lineman who can be a really good three tech. And then, you know, I thought Nolan Smith had a good game, too. So the linebackers are playing well. So just the credit to that defense, man, that defensive line is so good at stalling the offensive line, holding their gaps and letting the linebackers stay clean and come in and make plays. And I thought that Georgia, you know, that first, second level cohesion was very much there against Michigan. And, you know, you've heard the saying all day, you know, you win in the trenches. And I think yes. that's what Georgia did. That's what they've done all season. And they they did it to perfection against Michigan. So it's a credit to the talent that they have on that defensive line. They have uh, a few potential early round picks. I know I have Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker in the first round range and Devontae Wyatt's a very solid day two prospect for me as well. So a lot of talent that you, there's no replacement for that. No, absolutely. A lot of great insight here from Ian Cummings, our Pro Football Network NFL draft college football analyst here, profootballnetwork.com. You could check out his amazing written work alongside Ollie Hodgkinson's. They're putting together their big boards. And he did mention a little bit earlier, he mentioned an MDS meeting. What is MDS, ladies and gentlemen, that you ask? Well, guess what? It is a mock draft simulator in Pro Football Network. We have one, ladies and gentlemen. It is a free, entirely free mock draft simulator where you're the GM for the team that you root for on Sundays, or you can control the fate of everybody in a mock draft simulation, one round, two round, three round, four round, or even seven rounds, however many rounds you want to go, you're in control. And guess what? Premium features, 
all for free. You get access to be able to make trades, receive trades, and you get to determine the fate of the franchise as if you were in control. ProFootballNetwork.com slash mock draft. You can check it out today over there on the website. Going to Cincinnati versus Alabama now. This was the first playoff game that we were treated to, obviously, on New Year's Eve. Looking at the matchup, I mean, everyone's talking about Alabama, the powerhouse that they are. Cincinnati, do they belong in the college football playoffs? That was a big discussion that I know that you, Cam, and Tony had throughout the season on the show here. Now, one of the key matchups, we were looking at Ahmad Gardner versus Jamison Williams at the wide receiver position. How did that go? I mean, you know, how did uh, Gardner do against Williams, uh, who's been absolutely fantastic from that positional standpoint? Yeah, Jameson Williams is one of my favorite receiver prospects. He's up to 15th overall on my big board, my wide receiver too. So I'm very high on the upside. But Ahmad Gardner actually fared pretty well. You know, he wasn't matched up against Williams on every rep. You know, they were kind of moving him around a little bit, trying to get him into space, get him the ball. Uh, but when when Gardner was on Williams, he wasn't very productive. You know, it was impressive because you look at Gardner, he's a longer corner, around 6'2", 6'3", 200 pounds. So definitely one of those bigger guys. And one of my knocks on him, especially in 2019, was that he does move. He's a little leggy sometimes, a little slow to transition. He improved drastically with his footwork and efficiency of motion in 2020. And he's looked even better this year. You know, he's clearly a great athlete. I think it was just a matter of efficiency of motion. But off the line, you know, Jameson Williams, one of the things that he does, he tries to use his quick twitch and explosion to generate displacement on those releases and get a step on the guys. And Ahmad Gardner was matching him step for step. There were there were reps downfield when he was matching them. You know, I do think that it, it took there was like a moment out of the breaks where Williams was able to explode and get a little bit of space. But Ahmad Gardner has such good closing speed and recovery athleticism and length, especially that range too. He can quickly just drape you again and recover. And especially um even closer to the box, you know, closer to the line of scrimmage. I know there's one play where they uh, swung Williams around and tried to get him the ball in like a out route, you know, yeah. a quick a quick swing pass. And Gardner read it all the way, and you saw that closing speed right there. He closed in like a missile, made the tackle in open space. So, you know, in coverage in the box, I think that uh, Ahmad Gardner really provided everything that we were looking for uh, for from him in that performance. Now, obviously. Cincinnati didn't come away on top. Alabama was able to keep the ball moving with Brian Robinson, a very talented running back who's going to get a shot at the senior bowl. But, you know, Jamison Williams was pretty quiet when he was lined up against uh, Ahmad Gardner. He had to go uh, in the opposite direction to get some production. So I think overall it was a very good performance by Gardner. And we're seeing the CB1 hype. He's not quite there for me, uh, but I have, I, ha I have yet to finalize. I think it's like him, Andrew Booth, Derek Stingley, Kyrie Elam, all of them are in the discussion and maybe one of the Washington guys breaks in there too. But that that that's not like the quarterback situation where there's no one running away with it. That's like this corner class is so strong. There's so many guys up there. So I'm excited to finalize it. But Ahmad Gardner definitely threw his hat into the ring with that performance. VT Anxiety in the chat here, twitch.tv slash profootball. I just want to say thank you for tuning in and interact with us in the chat section. We'll answer your questions, your comments here on air. He says, how crazy is it that he hasn't allowed a touchdown in his collegiate career? Yeah. I mean, that's a very tough ask for it's any It's crazy, player. man. It's crazy. And I thought this week against Jameson Williams was going to be the time that he, he gave it up because Jameson Williams is kind of the, you know, potential, on paper at least, the kryptonite for a guy like Gardner, you know, fast you know, really twitchy, explosive. And if he gets a step on you, it can be hard to recover. But Gardner, even in space, you know, using those long strides to close that ground, he really impressed me against Jameson Williams, a guy I thought would give him a lot of trouble. So it's crazy, especially across his career. He's been a starter for three years, hasn't allowed a single touchdown. That That's impressive. That is very impressive. And it, it, at this point, it's been going on long enough where you know it's not luck. It's not just kind of, you know, a fluke. It, it's just legit tailing. You know, he's neutralizing opposing weapons week in and week out.
Well, we saw a meme on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a picture of the different scores that we saw between obviously the Michigan and the uh, the Georgia game and also the Alabama-Cincinnati game. The deficit at one point, it was 7 nothing, And there was a fan, a Cincinnati fan, that just looked so distraught in the crowd. And then obviously a Michigan fan who was dis- you know distraught as well. And somebody had commented that being down 7 to Alabama feels like you're down by 14 to 21 points to them as well. I wanted to touch on that because it yeah. feels true against a Saban coach team. But my question for you, you know, not really focusing too much in Alabama we'll talk about them in a little bit but for Cincinnati quarterback Desmond Ritter a lot of talk on him in this year's upcoming NFL draft class what did he do and what did he show against his biggest test of the season so far against Alabama's defense yeah this was a you know it was the biggest test for sure you know obviously people were looking for him to make maybe take the next step against the Alabama defense because he's a guy who across his career I think the biggest knock is that he's kind of been stagnant you know he's always been a solid college starter but you look for the linear growth to be an NFL quarterback. You look for the you know development with his mechanics, his accuracy. And he's always been very volatile, even from snap to snap in those areas. And I thought against Alabama, didn't really show any improvement. You know, I think he was pretty minimized pretty easily by the Alabama rush. Now, obviously, when you got Will Anderson and Fedarian Mathis, <laughs> Dallas Flowers, who's a very talented freshman on the other side, and Christian Harris blitzing too. I mean, he's scary as a blitzer, man. He's super explosive. But, you know, the gist is they've got enough talent on that defensive front to really make you uncomfortable. And Desmond Ritter was clearly uncomfortable. And when he's uncomfortable, you know, his footwork, his, his upper body, you know, it's not always in sync. And that's been one of the biggest knocks for him this, 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 you know, across his entire career. There was that one very nice, I think it was on the wheel route in the red zone where he fit it right into the bucket. It was a very nice throw, you know, perfect trajectory. And it had good velocity to a nice mix where he pushed it out there, but also was able to fit it in. And the receiver just, you know, just couldn't come down with it because it was a tough catch, but it was right where it needed to be. Ritter makes one or two of those throws every game. And it makes you stop and think like, hey, this guy's got the tools and he does. But at this point, you know, having been a starter for so long, you'd like to see linear growth. You'd like to see actual growth that's sustained from week to week. And we still haven't seen that from Ritter. So I'm apprehensive to say that it's going to happen in the NFL. But also, I can't rule it out, right? I mean, some sometimes guys surprise us. Look at Kenny Pickett. He was stagnant for a long time in his college career. Absolutely exploded this year. Now, it, it's different moving to the NFL, you know, having NFL coaching. I do think Ritter's traits, especially when he shows them off at the Senior Bowl, he'll get a chance to kind of sell teams on his upside. But as of now, for me personally, I'm out on him as a round one guy. He's a high character guy. He's talented. But the mechanics, the, you know, the accuracy and the ability to process under pressure, you know, it's not always there with him. And for me, you know, that's enough for me to say I'm not sure I want to invest around one capital. He can, he can change minds. He can. And I think that he can, you know, maybe make those improvements. He seems like the type of guy that would buy in to NFL coaching. Uh, but for me, you know, sometimes guys have bad habits. They're hard to break. And for me personally, Ritter hasn't broken them yet. So I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say that he will. But Alabama was just more of the same, you know, when he's pressured, when he's uncomfortable really hard to put it together. Well, and I think when you look at quarterbacks that have some of these traits that you mentioned, right, they can maybe put it together. If they go to the NFL, it really depends upon the staff that they get surrounding them and whether or not they go to a team that's willing to develop a young quarterback. I I think that's a common issue that we see with various NFL teams is they simply don't do that for the most part because most guys are looking for the franchise guy, hoping they have a veteran backup quarterback in case things go wrong. So I'll be very intrigued to see where Desmond Ritter ends up. And obviously, VT Anxiety says, who do you think the Steelers are more than likely going to take Ritter or Pickett? I see you respond in the chat that Pickett yeah. personally. Uh, and look, I mean, obviously the the ties there between Pittsburgh, but they, they need a quarterback. Pittsburgh does. Kenny Pickett is a baller. I, I did like your mention there of Carson Strong. I mean, we talk about a guy with a big arm that kind of compares in a 
sense, somewhat a little bit to Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, I mean, they got to fix their offensive line first. Pittsburgh does for sure, but that needs to be free agency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. So we saw, obviously, the college football playoffs. The national championship is set. You have Alabama that's going to be taking on Georgia, and we're going to set it up, and hopefully hopefully we can get a stream here where you can join you know, guys like Ian, Cam Miller, Ollie Hodgkinson as they sit here on twitch.tv slash Network while the game is happening, and they talk about what's happening. They're breaking things down while it's going on. Obviously, we can't show the game, but if you want to hear NFL draft analysts, college football analysts talking about the game as it goes on, trust me, you got it, especially because these guys love football, unlike the guys that are going to be calling the national championship game who question these kids and these players for their love of the game another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of slash talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So outside yeah. of that, it's another rant we'll say maybe for the end of the show here. I mean, but, yeah, but- honestly, I've got thoughts on that too. Real quick, I know yeah. Brett was asking if the hand size is an issue for Pickett. We'll save that for the end. We got a senior bowl segment yeah. coming up. So uh, I'll, I'll dish on that when we get there. But we got some other stuff to talk about in the meantime. I love that. DJ Dirty J, welcome into the chat as well. Twitch.tv slash Pro Football Network. We talked about college football players, but let's talk about some bowl game performances from over the weekend. Look, I, uh, I was having dinner at, uh, on New Year's Eve and I, you know, I was going through and I was watching Utah. I was watching them against Ohio State, and what an explosive game. Like, if you love football, if you love back-and-forth action, this was the game to watch. Now, obviously, we're talking about C.J. Shroud's performance, Jackson Smith and Jigba's performance as well, just unbelievable. And then you talk about Marvin Harrison Jr., watching him catch a touchdown pass and and previously watching his father catch touchdown passes from Peyton Manning in the NFL. I feel really old today just going back and seeing that. Your thoughts, just kind of an example for how bright the future is for this Ohio State team. Like right now I'm looking at it, I feel like they have so much talent and they have a lot of potential first-round picks going into next year's NFL draft. Yeah, it's insane, man. And at this point, we expect it from Ohio State, right? It's it's like a factory, a conveyor belt, if you will. You know, I think, you know, there's people saying that Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are coming out and they might not even be the best receiver in the receiving core right now. And, you know, like, I can't disagree with that. Personally, you know, being a draft analyst, I, I try to focus on the current cycle because there's a lot of information to sift through, right? So as a prospect, I don't quite have as good a grasp on Jackson Smith and Jigba. But, you know, just looking at him live, I mean, he is electric and he, he took over you know with Wilson and Lave off the off the field he definitely has the athleticism really really strong hands and rare body control instincts at the catch point able to make some crazy circus catches but then also a good run after catch threat seems really twitchy and elusive in open space so you know I, I I'm very excited 
to get to his report. And Marvin Harrison Jr., as you said, making you feel old. Uh, but he's a, you know, he's a talented guy, too. He, he looks like he's got the size for sure. And, and he looked like he had some nice releases, too. He had that filthy release, uh, mm. getting that displacement in the end zone on that. I think it was his third touchdown catch. So, you know, if you, you see a big guy like that with that fast feet and that, you know, that technical refinement at the line, able to generate displacement with his release, that's fun. And then, you know, the guy at the center of it all, C.J. Stroud, very talented quarterback. Uh, I, I, I respect a ton the way that he kind of responded because earlier in the year, you know, people were talking about him maybe being a bust, right? You know, maybe being a guy who can't really handle the pressure, but he really grew as the season went on. He grew a ton. And by the end of the season, he was surgical every week. I know my Michigan State, we got torched by him. I mean, <laughs> and looking at his traits, you know, because as an evaluator, you got to look at the traits. You can't just look at the stats or anything. He, he's a good athlete on top of that, but he's got a great arm, you know, and he's already using his eyes to manipulate safeties and manipulate the field. And he progresses through his progression as well. So looking at that, you know, that mental refinement this early in his career, he is already head and shoulders above some of the guys in this class. So I, I look at Stroud and, and Bryce Young. I, I don't think it's a hot take that they would be in contention for QB one in this class. If they declared neither one is eligible, but they're both so talented and, you know, with another year of growth, with another year with these weapons, uh, the future is very bright for Ohio State. I'm, I'm very excited to see where Stroud goes with the weapons. I think he's, you know, we can pencil him in for a first round spot right now. Oh, I'm with it there. And real quick, you know, Christmas is over, but the gifts just keep on coming from Brett Yaris PFN, who gifted a tier one subscription to DJ Dirty J, who had just now followed our Twitch channel here, twitch.tv slash pro football network. Like I said, we have daily NFL news, content and coverage, fantasy football, college football, NFL draft news and betting. You get it all here in one place, twitch.tv slash pro football network, the primary voice for pro football. Ian, continuing our conversation here, talking about some of these big time performances in bowl games. Let's take it to Kentucky. Will Levis, you know, despite his love for Mayo, and coffee i'll never understand yep. that he and wandale robinson had a pretty big performance as well you don't want to talk about that is wandale robinson one of the 2022's biggest sleepers if he does declare for the nfl draft yeah and first off uh i know it was the citrus bowl that they won and ollie told me afterwards that will levis apparently ate one of the oranges that they got with the with the peel on right like the guy is just He's got weird taste. He's, he's going against the grain. Yeah, he's going against the grain, right? He's a talented quarterback. We can talk about him later. I think he's got some first-round upside. If he takes a leap next year, I really like his tools. But, yeah, Wandale Robinson, I, I'm not, I don't think he's declared yet. There were a few declarations today. I don't think he was in that batch. He's still kind of undecided. But if he does declare, I do think he's one of the biggest sleepers in this class. He was a transfer from Nebraska, a highly touted recruit. And you look at his, his traits, his skill set. Uh, I, he was one of my my favorite evaluations. He's a former running back in high school, so he definitely has that run after catch element. And it's not just you know that he definitely has the toughness. He's willing to bounce off a of contact even with a smaller frame. I think he's around like 5'10", 185 or something like that. But you know he's willing to bounce off contact and lower his shoulder. But what he stole the show with against Iowa was his ability to separate, get into open field, made some tough catches, willing to lay out and kind of corral tough throws. And then after the catch, too, he's very elusive. He can levy quick cuts and, and, and make guys miss. And he's so good at stacking cuts. He's explosive, agile. You know, he's one of those modern NFL weapons. You know, you, you think about a modern NFL guy, a guy who can create, you know, before, at, and after the catch point. I think Wandale is one of the better receivers in this class. So I'm a very big fan of his and his ability to create for himself. And I think he showed it against Iowa, you know, making that big play down the stretch to help Kentucky get the game-winning field goal. That was big. And, and I think that, you know, looking at Wandale Robinson, you know, and, and the power to traits that he has, man, I, to me personally, he's a day-two guy. Uh, I would 
potentially take him in round two if you'd like to fit enough. But just another guy in this very deep, very well-stocked receiver class, if he declares. I, I think he's got a good case to do it. One of the most productive receivers in the SEC. But we, a, a, every year, you know, there's going to be a ton of wide receiver talent. So I don't think you can look at, you know, next year's class and say, well, maybe I have a better chance of going higher because there's so much talent every year. It's such a talent-dense position, very saturated with talent. You know, just sell high, sell your stock high. That that's what I would say to Wandale Robinson. I think you have a good case to declare this year and get to the NFL. But he's a talented guy, man. I'm a lot. I I love that type of receiver that he is, and uh, you know he's he's proven it time and time again this year that he's a top tier talent. Well, there was another bowl game too I want to talk about. It's Baylor versus Ole Miss. Obviously, we got to see Matt Corral, and I'm sure we'll touch on him uh, and his injury a little bit later on in combination with something else we want to touch on with some of Kirk Herbstreit's comments. Uh, but, you know, looking at this, how stacked is Baylor's defense with NFL talent, in your opinion, from an evaluation standpoint as a draft analyst? Yeah, Baylor is uh, – and real quick, DJ, DJ is asking if Wandale can be a Debo Samuel – Personally, I, I think the frames are a little bit different. I think you look at, like as good as Wandale is after the catch. He's more of that elusive guy, even though he can be physical. Debo is more of that bowling ball type where he can just bounce off and, and, and shrug off arm tackles. I think, you know, if I had to make a comp, it would be Kadarius Tony. Now, obviously, Tony hasn't been very, you know, effective in his first year. I think that Wandale has that, you know, elite elusiveness and agility. But I also think he's a more complete receiver, you know, in terms of his ability to separate and, and make plays at the catch point. I think he's a more complete receiver and could make a, a better impact early on. So that's the type of athlete that I think he is, a little more underweight, but still able to make plays after the catch. Moving on to Baylor's defense, man, I mean, that, that defense really kind of took a life of its own down the stretch. I know they were dominant against Oklahoma State. Uh, they got so much talent, man. And I know that um, there's a few guys that are going to the Senior Bowl. I, I think I know Terrell Bernard, Jalen Petrie, who I just did my scouting report on. Big fan of those guys. Petrie is a homing missile in the box. He's a bit unorthodox. He's around six foot 197, so a little bit smaller for the role that he plays. He rushes off the edge a lot. He's, he plays in the box and in the slot. But, you know, he's such an explosive high motor guy. And then I think in coverage, he has the fluidity and, and the speed and the instincts to translate there too. So I look at him as a very good fit for the uh, hybrid slot linebacker star role in the NFL. If you've got like a defense, if you run four, two, five or three, three, five, you know, having that hybrid guy who can fulfill a number of different alignments. I know that's a big, a big thing in Brandon Staley's defense, especially and a few other guys across the league. So I look at that and Jalen Petrie's traits. I think he translates very well there. A lot of people have been saying, I know, Cam Meller, our own Cam Meller, is very high on him, too. He's like, if he had Derwin James' size, he'd maybe be a first-round pick. And I agree. You know, on, on tape, his film is spectacular. He's just a little small for his role. But, you know, put him in the right spot. He can make plays time and time again. He's a very disruptive player. Terrell Bernard, a very good coverage linebacker, very instinctive, a good tackler, and had a very good bowl game performance. So he's going to get to my eyes. And then one more guy – well, actually, a couple more guys. I know Kalen, uh, Kalen Barnes – and Al Walcott are two very talented corners. Barnes is very fast. He's got great speed. He'll be a sleeper. I think he got a Shrine game invite. He got an all-star game. I, I, I think it's the Shrine, uh, but I'll have to I'll have to double-check later. But he's going to be a good one to watch. And then Siaki Ika, the uh, nose tackle. He's 6'4", uh, 350, a former LSU guy. But he is super explosive. He's super powerful. Uh, very good pad level. He plays with really excellent natural leverage. He dominated Oklahoma State. He was an absolute game wrecker. Uh, when you have a nose tackle who can create pressure for himself and actually provide three down utility, you know, that's exciting. And Siaki Ika, he was a monster down the stretch. I, I know he had a very good bowl game performance as well. So I don't know if he declares, but, you know, if he does, I think he's a very, very 
very talented player in this class. And if he doesn't, I think he's a potential day two guy next year. And if you're running a three, four and you need a true <laughs> nose in the NFL, Siaki Ika is the guy, man. He's, he's a super talented player. When I was going to ask you about him too, is he a true zero one tech or, you know, does he have the hybrid ability to play inside like a two I or even a three at times? Where, where is he best suited? I think, you know, I think he's best suited at zero tech or one tech, a little closer to the center, you know, getting his nose up right in that in that grill. But I do think he's athletic enough. You can move him around a little bit. But, you know, for me personally, I would rather keep him there, you know, personally. And I, I do think that if you're moving into dime personnel, you know, that four the four man fronts, he can move out to three tech or two I. But I think personally, the best fit for him is closer to the center at the fulcrum of the line. You know, get some nice three techs on either side of him. Let him take that two gap let him uh, take those double teams and free up some one-on-ones for the other guys. I think that's the best spot for Siaki because even when he's double teamed, he can make something happen. You know, that's the fun part with him. He's super powerful and athletic and really violent with his hands too. So I think that's the right fit for him. But, you know, it, it just goes to show if you run hybrid fronts too, you know, I think he'd be a good fit there. Just use him, you know, in that role and let him flourish and let him kind of create opportunities for other guys while also creating for himself. So I think the zero or one is the best alignment for that. And like I said, I'm not sure if he declares this year, but if he declared, I would probably consider him on day two in the right fit. You know, I think he's that talented of a player. So he really came on down the stretch and a fun guy to watch, especially if you're a team that uses three, four or hybrid alignments. Mm. Hey, Siri, uh, call general manager George Payton of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Thank you. There we go. Anyways, transitioning on here, obviously some great insight from Ian Cummings, our Pro Football Network, NFL draft and college football analyst. A lot of great work that he, Ollie Hodgkinson, Cam Miller do over there, profootballnetwork.com. Click on the college football NFL draft department. You can check out all their amazing written content, their player profiles, scouting reports, their big boards, and their mock drafts that they release almost every single week. They're always grinding the tape and putting things together. So you can stay well informed this upcoming season for the team that you root for on Sundays, their major needs, and maybe their analysis of how some players can fit within that scheme. But, you know, kind of transition oh, to something by the way, else. By the way, real quick, real quick, yeah. another player I forgot on that Baylor defense. I'm sorry, real quick. Uh, safety, <laughs> safety JT Woods had five interceptions this year. I can't believe I forgot him. He's one of my favorite players on that defense, too. Six foot two, super rangy, can levy some really hard hits downfield. Uh, was really good down the stretch again. JT Woods, remember the name, super rangy playmaker at safety. All right, I'm done. I'm done. That's it. All right. Hey, I trust you, Ian. I, I trust you when it comes to college football talent and evaluation. One of the best rising up and coming draft analysts here out there in the entire industry. You get that with Ollie Hutchinson and Ian Cummings and our department here at Pro Football Network, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know, I wanted to kind of shift focus now to some transfer portal news as it continues to impact the college football and potential future NFL draft landscape. We're seeing a, a variety of quarterbacks as of late transfer uh, and it's going to maybe tie into the conversation about what we had heard about kids that apparently in this generation don't love football but first off let's talk about Dylan Gabriel flipping from UCLA to Oklahoma and interesting enough Oklahoma they lose Caleb Williams who is now entering the transfer portal so there's some things will go there first on Dylan Gabriel how does Gabriel fit within the Sooners offense and maybe their vision for the future yeah, I think he fits very well. And a, a big tie-in is Jeff Levy, the offensive coordinator. Uh, helped. He was actually the coordinator for Dylan Gabriel in, at UCF in 2019, moved to Ole Miss in 2020, uh, and now going back to Oklahoma with Dylan Gabriel. So there's that big connection there uh, where they have that familiarity. So I think Dylan Gabriel obviously produced very high numbers with Levy at UCF. Uh, the offense is a little bit scripted. You know, a lot of RPOs, a lot of scripted plays. Uh, and a lot of, you know, kind of calculated deep shots. So, you know, not quite an NFL offense, but 
you know, the, I feel like the term NFL offense is kind of overused nowadays. I, I feel like if you get a quarterback, you you can make adjustments to make them more comfortable. You know, there's no set NFL offense, and we've seen that with guys like Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler, Kyler Murray. You know, just make the adjustments to make your quarterback comfortable. If it's effective, it's effective. I don't think there's a cut-and-dry NFL offense anymore. So I that doesn't Except really factor in. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, and you know, do you really do you really want that offense at the end of the day? Do you? But uh, you know, I look at Dylan Gabriel, and, and I, I see some talent. You know, to be unearthed. I, you know, any anyone that thinks about Oklahoma, you know, the Oklahoma football has kind of been synonymous with high octane, high profile offenses. You know, you know, going back to Mark Stoops and or Bob Stoops and, and Lincoln Riley, and you know, we have to understand that this is a changing regime. You know, you got Brent Venables, the defensive head coach, and now, you know, Levy coming in as the new offensive coordinator. So we can't really expect a one-to-one, you know, just a a simple transition and they're going to stay the same way. But I do think the familiarity there is very good for uh, Dylan Gabriel. And then looking at Gabriel, the player, he does have the traits that you want, you know, for a left-handed quarterback. They can be a little weird to evaluate sometimes, but he's got a good arm. He's a good athlete. He can create a little bit for himself. I like his mechanics. I think that he does a good job staying within a cylinder, which what that is, is, you know, you keep your base shoulder width. You don't keep your base too wide because if your base gets too wide, you can't rotate your hips to the throw as well. So he does a good job keeping that base within a cylinder and then his shoulders stay level pretty well too. If you're, if you're, Front shoulder tips too high. You can sail passes. If it tips too low, they can dip into the ground. So he does a good job staying level there. I like his mechanics. Uh, against pressure, it erodes a little bit, but he's a talented guy. He can go off platform, especially rolling to his left, and he's got some decent high-level traits. So I think going to Oklahoma, familiar with Jeff Levy, I think it could be a good spot for him to kind of increase his draft stock. Let's talk about former Sooners quarter uh, quarterback, obviously, Caleb Williams. is A surprise move entering the uh, transfer portal yesterday. You know, Ian, for you, what are some ideal landing spots and best fits for maybe a guy like Williams? Because we're looking at some of these other college programs that already have these quarterback changes, guys who've already entered the transfer portal have now committed. I mean, it, where does he have to go? I mean, what's the best option at this point? Yeah, and real quick, uh, DJ asked a good question. How much can QB-friendly offense affect the quarterback's development? I, I think it's it's a big, a really big factor, man. I mean, QB, their environment is is so impactful as to how they produce. I mean, and I think we have some good examples in this quarterback class. You look at Kenny Pickett. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Kenny Pickett, but I'm willing to admit that, you know, having a few years in that Mark Whipple offense really helped him get comfortable. And by this year, he knew the offense almost as well as Whipple did. And, and that allowed him to kind of, it was second nature for him, operating within that offense. Then you go to a guy like Sam Howell, guys like Malik Willis, you know, their offensive, their environment wasn't always as helpful for them. Now, obviously, it was kind of different reasons with Howell. You lost the weapons. You lost to Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Diami Brown, Daz Newsom. You lose all those guys. You're not going to be quite as comfortable changing onto a new uh, a new surrounding cast. With Malik Willis, I think that, you know, some of the route concepts, the offensive line doesn't always help him. It's not always in his favor. Now, Malik Willis does create a lot of pressure for himself by rolling out of the pocket sometimes and getting working himself into a corner with his traits. But but the fact stands, you know, when you have that offensive comfort, both schematically and with your supporting cast, it can go a long way toward maximizing your play. And conversely, if you're not comfortable, you know, if your supporting cast isn't helping you and if your scheme isn't elevating you, it can kind of dilute your stock. I know a lot of people overthought Justin Herbert because his offense really diluted his stock. I know I did personally. So I think it's something that you have to look at and you kind of need to decouple the traits from the team. And so that's a really important thing to do. You don't want to say like, oh, I don't like this quarterback when his surrounding cast might be, uh, you know, kind of dragging him down a bit. So it's something to take into account for sure.
Oh, Brett Yaris, PFN in the chat. I knew, I just knew when you said environment, I knew we were going to get a comment from him. He oh says, did gosh. someone say environment? I mean, this is, this is peak. Like it's the bat signal for Brett Yaris. <laughs> you know, obviously some interesting points are on the transfer portal. One thing I want to bring up here, uh, obviously there's been a wide discussion amongst various personalities that are on national media, talking about players who decide to sit out of bowl games or enter the transfer portal. And I, I don't, I, I find it just kind of insulting in a sense to the fact that these players who are trying to do better for themselves, but to be said that they don't love football because of it is very interesting. Now, obviously as a draft analyst, you spend a lot of time, you actually get to interview players from time to time. You get to know some of their stories, their backgrounds, in your opinion, what were your thoughts on Kirk Herbstreet's comments? And I don't want to give him too much of a platform. He has a big enough one as is, but I feel like it's a very interesting topic when we, especially when we talk about humanizing athletes here in 2022, especially with the platforms that we have. Yeah. I, you know, I'm never going to diss a decision anyway. You know, like I know people were talking about Matt Corral making the wrong decision by going out and playing with his guys. I, that's not the wrong decision. If, if, yeah. if you think it's worth the risk, then go out there and play. But, you know, at the same time, you got to put yourself in their shoes, right? I mean, especially some of these guys, you've been working really hard for four, three to four years, you know, sweat and dirt and tears, you know, behind the scenes, you got injuries that you're working through. And, you know, you know, as a former football player, like injuries, it's not just an injury yeah. report, injury report thing, you know, it's something that you're dealing with from week to week sometimes that you have yep. to, you know, gradually ease your way out of. And sometimes you can suffer a setback in a game and it's just a constant thing. So these guys are putting their bodies, their lives on the line, you know, so much effort, so much time each and every week. Uh, you know, I look at when you get to the pinnacle, and especially for some guys who played in the conference championships, like I know Kenny Pickett was a big one, you know, some people, because he's such a high profile profile guy, people were dissing his decision to opt out. The ACC championship was the highlight of their season and they got it. So yeah. once you get past that point, you look at the bowl game and it's, you're not running any more of a risk than any other game to get injured, but that one game might be the game where you do get injured and that can really alter your trajectory going to the NFL. So I look at that. You know, once you've accomplished everything that you needed to do, once you look back and say, I've done enough, then you look ahead and you say, well, I might not need to do anything more. And, and you make a calculated decision to preserve yourself. And I think, you know, in that situation, I wouldn't even call it selfish. I would just call it, you know, a smart decision, a smart, you know, yeah. a, 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 it's not selfish. I know people have been saying that it's selfish. It's, it's self-preservation for sure. But when you've put in that work and when you've, you know, done all that with your teammates for your team and, and put in all your effort, you you deserve to make a decision for yourself and i think that you know there's i'm never going to diss a guy for that that's that's just something that's common sense really i would like to see kirk keep the same energy for the coaches that up and leave before you know bowl games i mean look at georgia for example like dan lanning i mean his team is playing the team that he coached for last year is in the national championship game he's not going to be coaching obviously he's now the ducks guy i just want to see the same consistent energy when coaches leave programs high and dry and obviously a lot of recruits who have already promised after the recruiting cycle that hey i'm coming here because of you and all of a sudden it uproots their plans because of things that they were promised i, I think it's very backwards brett years makes a great comment here says kirk curb street is just upset that the free labor that used to make the games he makes millions off of aren't there to play it's peak selfishness at the expanse of taxpaying American young men. Enough with being forced to make corporations and administrators into millionaires for free. Brett, I, I, I can see the vein in the text of your head just kind of <laughs> popping there. We get it absolutely 110%. That, that's the thing, too. We are now in a very unique time where college athletes, you know what? They no longer have to make the colleges, broadcasters, millions of dollars. They can actually bank on that, and they can gamble on themselves. I'm loving the fact that we see this with these NIL deals. Yeah, I mean, going back to a point as well, one player that I remember that had such high draft stock coming in, 
tore his ACL in a bowl game. That's Jake Budd out of Michigan. I remember mm-hmm. that was a big, big loss for him. And unfortunately, that set him back in his career. It's just one of those things, too. As you mentioned, they're making calculated decisions on best on what they think is best for them. And I don't think anybody can tell them that they are wrong for doing that. I agree with you. Self-preservation is super important, Ian. Thank you for your thoughts right there. Uh, now, look, uh, you know, kind of as we get to the fourth quarter on today's episode between the hashes here at Pro Football Network Weekly Production, talking about the Senior Bowl roster reveal. This was something that came out earlier on today. Uh, you know, what are your initial takeaways on the roster reveal? I see Jim Nagy has done a tremendous job. It's one of the best, I, I think, involvements for any young media member or draft analyst to be able to get credentialed to go down and to see the process of NFL scouts working with these players and NFL coaching staffs working with these players. Your thoughts initially, because it all starts in Mobile. It does all start in Mobile, man. And I, I remember last year it was a really fun experience getting to see these guys up close. And, you know, some of the early, some of the late risers in the process came from that. I know Quinn Miners from a Wisconsin Whitewater, the, the famous belly. He was, a, he was a big one. He went, ended up going to Denver on day at the bottom end of uh, day two. So, you know, it, it's a really good opportunity for guys to improve their stock. And I'm looking at the, at the, uh, at the group this year. And I'm scrolling down the roster here. I know Cam Meller just released an article for us. So if you want to see the full roster, we won't have time to go through the entire thing today. But if you want to see it, it's on the site. But a lot of talented players. I, you know, looking at it, this, and, and we've kind of gotten an idea of who's going to be there off of who's accepted invites and who's been called to uh, to join the roster. But, you know, looking at this group, I think it's really safe to say that it's stronger overall than last year's group. And that's not a diss on last year's group. That's just like, there's so many potential day two, early day three, and, and then round one guys in this in this crop. You know, there's going to be a lot on the line. I feel like we have to start with the quarterback group because I know uh, Sam Howell. He's a junior, but he graduated earlier this year. So he, uh, he he was eligible to join the Senior Bowl and he officially accepted his invite. It was announced earlier today that he's going to be there. So you've got Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett, uh, Carson Ooh. Strong, Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. Five potential first wow. round guys at the senior bowl whereas last year there was only one guy who went in round one or even round two and that was mac jones and the next best was kellen mond who went to the vikings in round three so you know this year's don't ask quarterback, mike zimmer about mond yeah yeah ask mike zimmer it's not it doesn't sound like it's going great but you know you look at the quarterback class for this year's senior bowl and i tweeted about this but you know how these guys perform and how they interview with teams how they carry themselves with a new group of teammates you know how they gel and how they build that chemistry can go a long way and to determining where they go in the quarterback order, because there's no one running away with the QB one mantle right now. It's so unsettled. And you ask five different people, you might get five different answers for QB one. So I look at this and I see the senior bowl, you know, in previous years, sometimes the top quarterback doesn't even go like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. They didn't even go in this class though. You have like top five, potentially the top five QBs going. The only one who's not is Matt Corral. And then you have Bailey Zappi too, but you know, there's so many potential first round guys in this class it's going to be a big determining factor in where they end up. And, and the guy who capitalizes on it the most might be the first QB off the board. No, you, you got me excited because this is a stacked quarterback class in terms of just fun, intriguing names for us to go down and watch in Mobile. Obviously, that's coming up here in, in just a little bit. You know, my question to you, Ian, as we kind of close out today's episode between the hashes here at Pro Football Network Weekly Production, really looking at just the dynamics. How important is it for, for a lot of this year's quarterback class, for example, as you mentioned, a lot of draft analysts, a lot of people, and a lot of fans of fan bases. I know in the Broncos fan base specifically, all this year's quarterback class isn't that great. How big is it for them to go down the senior bowl, essentially right before the NFL you know, scouting combine, and to be able to increase their stock in the ride because they will be working with scouts. They will be working with NFL coaches here. What is the biggest thing you feel like a quarterback that's trying to you know make a name for himself and you mentioned obviously this year's class is stacked 
what is the number one thing that they have to do when they go down to the senior bowl here? Yeah. And, you know, I'll say, you know, it's, it's not a, I don't want to say it's a bad class. Some people say it's a bad class. It's not a bad class. I mean, it's definitely uncertain. There's not the level of comfort that there is with other classes, Great word. but the, these guys have, have a lot of talent, you know, and there's, there's, there's upside to unearth here. It's just a matter of what can they prove, you know, at the senior bowl. And I think you look at, I think each guy has something different to prove at the senior bowl, which is really exciting. I think we can start with Kenny Pickett because Brett mentioned him earlier. You know, talking about the, the hand size, you know, in my opinion, looking at his tape, I thought he was a better player than his stats indicated in 2020 and obviously, you know, suffered a high ankle sprain. And it, they usually take six weeks to come back from. He came back after 26 days and played on it to, to close out the season. So, you know, you look at that and there was definitely injuries and, and, and offensive inconsistency that impacted him before this year. So I look at that and I look at the tape from this year. You could argue that the biggest red flag for Pickett is the hand size. It's reportedly around eight inches would be in the zero with percentile for quarterbacks that have, that have registered uh, measurements. And we've got, some, we got a piece on it on the site. I know Tony Pauline yep. was on a Thursday episode a few weeks ago talking about it. And Tony said, you know, yeah, the hand size is going to be small. He wears the gloves for a reason, but he also reportedly has a double jointed thumb that helps him grip the football. <laughs> I've never seen that before, man, but you know, looking at, looking at the pictures, looking at, at the angle with which he grabs the ball, it's weird. You don't think that scouting would go this in depth, but spoiler alert, it does. You know, looking at that, you know, I can see it. And I think that it does help him grip the football. And we've seen, it, especially this year, he's been generating a lot of great velocity on his throws. And in that rainy environment against North Carolina, didn't really have an issue, you know, when it came down to it. You want to see in those adverse conditions if he can grip the football the same way he does in normal conditions, and he did. He closed out the game. So the hand size is going to be the biggest thing for Pickett. If he has a double-jointed thumb, that might help him. Uh, but NFL balls do run a little bit bigger. So prove that it's not an issue for you at the Senior Bowl, and that'll go a long way towards solidifying your stock because, you know, I look at him beyond that. I think he's got great mechanics. I think he's got great off-platform ability. He's a great athlete. He's got a good arm, elastic arm. And he's a tough competitor. He's a leader. He's accurate. You know, I look, I think he can be a solid starter in the NFL. And, you know, in the right situation, he can win you a, he can win you a lot of games. So I like him, you know, moving on to Carson Strong. You know, I think for him, it's just uh, there's the knee injury that's kind of looming over yeah. him. So prove that you can move around in the pocket, you know, prove that you can kind of keep your mechanics steady and, and just, you know, work within structure. I know he's got the strongest arm in the class. He's a very good processor. So prove you can work on those timing routes and just be the best quarterback there. And I think that that can go a long way toward solidifying your status too. Malik Willis, I think it's working better within structure. He's always been a little inconsistent in that area with his mechanics, with his processing. So, you know, just continue to improve there and then just show off your talent. I mean, Malik Willis has the, the highest ceiling in this class. So just show off that running ability, show off that arm, and someone is going to fall in love with your traits. And I think you can say the same thing for Desmond Ritter. You know, continue to refine those mechanics and then just show off your traits too. He's another great athlete. He's not as explosive and, and, you know, sudden as Malik Willis. He's a little more smooth and fluid, but he's got great speed too. And uh, he can, he, he's got a strong arm. So that'll be a fun one. And then Sam Howell, I think for Howell, it's kind of a similar deal. Just continue to get better with your mechanics, work better in structure and, you know, have a good performance. I think that, and then all these guys too, they're going to have conversations with these NFL teams. They're going to have interviews, show out there, you know, show you're a leader. I think all these guys are pretty good off the field character wise. So that shouldn't be an issue. But, you know, if you if you can make a connection with a team, that can go a long way toward giving you some real estate in April.
Well, we only have a, a few moments left here on the show here. Today's episode, Pro Football Network Weekly Production of Between the Hashes. Obviously, Ian Cummings, a lot of tremendous insight here today. Uh, your thoughts on Jalen Tolbert. Obviously, he's one of those uh, guys to watch, a wide receiver out of South Alabama. This is going to be a big, big opportunity for him. And look, he's got some quarterbacks that can throw him the ball now. Yeah, Jalen Tolbert. I, know, I knew we had to get him in because Cam yeah. is like his number one fan, number zero and number one fan. He's up there. But Jalen <laughs> Tolbert, he's the hometown kid at South Alabama. He's been very productive for the Jaguars. I remember when I was scouting him this past summer, I was a big fan of the uh, athleticism and size combination that he has at 6'3", uh, around 190. He's, so he's a little long, a little lanky, but he's got good releases. He's got decent hip sync on his routes. And then, you know, he can, I think he's a pretty good separator for his size. And I think he improved there this season. And then looking at, you know, at the catch point, the, the hands have been an issue in the past, but I think he improved that this year too. And then he's very good at controlling his body, at tracking the ball and making those contested catches. So I think, especially in one-on-ones, being able to separate and then go above the rim and make those catches, that's going to be big for him. And if he can do that in this setting, That'll be big and boosting his stock. I look at this receiver group as a whole at the Senior Bowl, and there's a lot of guys that I like. I know Romeo Dobbs out of Nevada is another guy that I'm a very, very big fan of. He's an explosive, twitchy athlete, around 6'2", 200, great length, great run after catchability, but also a a vertical threat who can separate, has some good releases. So Romeo Dobbs is another one. Uh, Calvin Austin, the third. I did a scouting report recently, a smaller guy for sure, but again, very explosive very twitchy and you know he's not just a gadget guy he can make those tough catches he can separate with route running and and technical ability and deception so he's a fun one I mean the list goes on for this receiver group Khalil Shakir Jahan Dotson who I think is a borderline round one guy I'm a big fan of his he's my wide receiver for Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati big body guy gonna test out of this world very good blocker as well so um, it's it's a deep class and I think you can say the same for every position going to edge rusher running back, uh, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, corner. I mean, the Senior Bowl is is stocked to the brim with talent. And uh, definitely check out Cam's article on it and check out our scouting reports. We're going to be churning more out every week, every day, trying to get more on these guys. So uh, it, it's a fun class, man. I'm just really excited to dive in and, and kind of open the book on these guys. It's going to be a fun one. Well, I know you're excited to go down there to the Senior Bowl. And ladies and gentlemen, the draft begins in Mobile, and you're going to get coverage from Pro Football Network's NFL drafting college football analysts, you know, once it happens. So, Ian Cummings, you know, once again, my man, I just want to say thank you for joining me here today. Always appreciate your insight. I feel like for anybody that's trying to learn a little bit more about this year's NFL draft prospects and some college players, Ian is the way to go. Obviously, he, Ollie, and Cam Miller at Pro Football Network. Check it out, profootballnetwork.com. Once again, utilize our free mock draft simulator. It is updated every single week with the current draft order so you can be in control of the team that you root for on Sundays. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that'll do it for today's episode, Pro Football Network Weekly's installment of Between the Hashes. I'll be back tomorrow alongside our Pro Football Network NFL insider Adam Beasley for PFN Weekly as we continue to dive into all things NFL news, analysis, and coverage. Then, immediately following that, you can catch Trey Wingo's More Than Football as he has special guest on Cynthia Freeland of the NFL Network. You can thank slash Pro Football Network. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode, PFN Weekly.